Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Played in Full, the podcast where we talk about everything on your silver screen, your TV screen, and even the stage if we feel like it. I feel like we need to get some theatre shows on. But that's besides the point. Let me welcome my usual host. We got a nice full gang this week. How's Valley? Hi. I don't know what else to say. Hello. <laughs> How are you? What's going on? Like, how's life, you know? Life's good. Life is good. It's hectic, but I'm enjoying it. Thank you. That's nice. CJ, what's going on? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, just had a great day. And uh, Jude's is a, a prick. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, on that note, Jude, how are you? I'm great. I had like the most wonderful conversation today and I didn't want to overshare or take up everyone's time, but I feel like it's relevant to some film stuff anyway. So today I was in a cafe in Crystal Palace and I met a 91 year old lady called Helen and she actually happens to be, she saw me just like typing away on my phone and she was writing in her diary and she started laughing. So she tapped me and just like, oh, sorry, I just find it funny that you were typing away whilst I was writing in my diary. And you guys know me, I'm a diary taker, journal type of guy. So I took out my journal from my bag and I showed her and we just started talking for like half an hour. And it turns out she was, she's a white lady, but she's a refugee from Holland that moved over in 1939. And she escaped like the Nazi regime that was about to invade the Netherlands. And we started to talk about like trauma, displacement, like colonialism, films, war films, you know, like the war films that I always say that they're war films when they're not really about that. Then we ended up talking about One Life and how she couldn't actually go to see the film because she felt like it was too much of a lived experience. She couldn't feel it, but she recognised that the importance of that film for today. And then I put on to stuff like Dunkirk, 1917, like all quiet in the western front it's like a really fascinating conversation bro but she's yeah. 90 years old you should not be recommending 1917 are you crazy no but the context, it's a context of the conversation we were having a conversation about all of that she did say it took her so long to get over her trauma she only got over it in 2006 it's not the trauma i'm worried about bro those films are full of explosions and loud bangs like, you, you, you want, you she watched oppenheimer it might be a rap bro i can't mm-mm, lie to you. Mm-mm, mm-mm. listen 
she's been through a lot, but she was genuinely interested to understand how culture was impacting. Because I'm young folk in comparison to her, obviously. But yeah, it was just describing to her the importance behind some of these stories in the film. Like, I wasn't saying, oh, go and watch that when you get home and watch your Netflix. Like, no way. It was more like the context of the film. So for, in- for instance, she talked about All Quiet on the Western Front when it came out when she was like in her teenage years. Mm-hmm. So she saw the original version and mm-hmm. she wondered about the new one. So I told her how it kind of like flips the script and makes it a bit different. But yeah, it was just a revealing conversation. But yeah, that definitely. Sounds I didn't tell her to watch it. Total 180, my mood's flipped. I'm not happy no more. <laughs> okay. Well, what has everyone been watching? I um, have been watching. I watched One Day, the Netflix show. Yeah, yeah so good. It's um, not. No, it's not the Birmingham uh, film. The Birmingham film is a better one. I'm just saying that from now. Okay, well, cool. That's big up my people. Them anyway. Go on. Right. Um, yeah, it's One Day. It's like 14 episodes on Netflix. It spans over 20 years, and it's just kind of like this slow burn to a couple that you're watching slow burn basically for 20 years and it's just really good and if mm. you like normal people then one day is like a really good sister show cool 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 i have watched um some documentaries recently one of those documentaries i watched was um the greatest night in pop um the and it's one of the best documentaries i've ever watched like i'll put it's only one episode because it only needed to be one episode but like it's got that last dance feel about it like yeah there's just so much magic in the 90s like the we are the world song was made in a debt like in a night after an award show like, do you know how insane that is that's so crazy stories from that all i the, need to all watch the, that you need to watch it like i like i watched it i went to birmingham on the the weekend just gone um, and I watched it on the way down and I was going to watch it on the way up but obviously Beyonce dropped new, two new tracks and I had to just do some deep dives and listen to the deep dives so you, so you just listened to them I listened, on repeat I listened to the I listened to 16 carriages for about an hour no all, no, all the words if Dance anyone knows me, as well. you know I'm a big just fan March 29th just drop fresh on TikTok TJ already knows the dances I know I know I do I do, I do. Um, <laughs> and then I've been trying to watch two, True Detective I think I've watched two episodes but I need to like, I'm going to start it again and then like try bang it all out um, this weekend. Um, and then what else have I watched? Uh, yeah, now I just watched like the holdover and st- holdovers and stuff like that. Like, and I think I said that last time. But yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've uh, started True Detective yet. No, no, I haven't, but I need to. I really, I'm really enjoying one day. I'm like a little bit of the way through. Have you seen the original with Anne Hathaway? I haven't. I That's haven't heard anything about the show anything okay so the yeah. book is really good as well the book is really good oh, but um i recommend it to everyone listening jude what have you been watching i have been yeah i've just been watching i can't really call it trash tv it's much more nostalgic like leading on from the traitors i've been seeing the, the gladiators and i just yeah i've just been sucked back into the show the concept of it, it always fascinated me like gathering kind of athletic people from a whole different spread of industries throughout the country and then putting them into competition and the whole kind of like aura of the gladiators itself. I feel like this new reimagining of the show 
that captivated the the country like in the late nineties and stuff. It's brilliant. It's actually awesome, and it's like a perfect slice between like you know that kind of crafted reality reality TV and the actual reality of the athletes. So yeah, yeah like I yeah, I definitely think that's sick. I, I um, would white lotus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, carry on, TJ. I was going to say, I would agree with you. Um, the, I know the Gla- Gladiator has tried to like re- redo itself in like the like early 2010s. Um, yes. And that, was, that just felt very like detached. This Gladiator feels like the one that my brother used to show me and be like, this used to be on all the time when I was young. So Listen. yeah, I do. I do. Like- Gladiators did slap Saturday night when I was like four years old. That was crazy. So, I, don't, so I, sick. I, I don't understand why Mark Glattenberg's a referee on the, that. That that's yes, true. That's, <laughs> that's one of the details <laughs> I forgot. He's like, he trying to get his money up, isn't it? Yeah, no. I, I think I think what he's done, he's utilized all of the the hate and the the right, real <laughs> criticism of him whilst he's doing his job in so many biased ways, and then he's tried to flip it and for it to become a thing. And I think in this social media era, so many people and across a different spread of fields can do that. Like we saw the same thing with Nigel Farage and, you know, celebrity, uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And yeah, so been watching that white Lotus as well. I've been, yeah, on the second to last episode of the first season It's so fascinating. And I get why people, obviously they're not probably not in the same breath of, greatness but it's hosted alongside a succession in terms of it's like dark comedy elements and the fact that it's it's based on like rich folk going to an area and just making a total arse of themselves but i really like the convulsion stories of white lotus and how it all comes into play like i'm really fascinated by that at the moment white lotus is probably one of my favorite tv shows uh, out right now I like it it's so funny I'll put it up against everything that people are talking about at the moment it's actually really tearing up the shores in America but strangely it's not as big here in the UK I don't know why that is maybe it's because people are finding it hard to find but yeah I've I've seshed all seasons I'm waiting for season three I've been watching Barry a lot lately I'm on the final I'm about to finish it um, I can't remember if I said this with CJ when we did the pod last week, but I really am urging everyone to go and watch Blue Giant. That is probably one of the. Yeah, I don't films. think you did. Don't think. Yeah, that's one of my favorite films I've watched in the last month. It's an amazing yeah, anime amazing. film about jazz, like, and I think it's in the top top three films of the films I've watched this year, along with All of Us as Strangers, which we're not going to spend too much time talking on. We probably should do an episode on it though, like. That film quality. Andrew that Scott is, is great. The Paul Mescal hype chain continues to build. Gladiators two out soon, so I know CJ's gassed. <laughs> I'm so asleep for that. You're asleep. Thank yeah, you, Kitty. Thank you. <laughs> Thank quiet. you. Yes. You hate you hate Ridley Scott. I hate yes. him so much. No, do you know what? And I nah, I think I hate him as well. He needs to go sit down in a retirement home. The only one that can stay is Martin Scorsese. It's the only one yeah. that can stay. You got a lot Ridley, man. Nah, Ridley, nah, man. We, don't. Don't. we don't, we don't, we don't. I, I really didn't like Nap- Napoleon, though. I'll, I'll say that, but yeah, Napoleon was boring. Yeah, so I, I actually, you know what? I'm on the side. I'm on the right side of history this time. I actually agree with the historians because he was going crazy. There were too many long jumps. 
between histories <laughs> in that film and it was really bugging me. And I'm not even like a massive history buff like that. Like I just knew it was just thinking like, yeah, this doesn't entirely add up, but it do is you know what it is. Do you know what it is with Ridley, Ridley, Ridley Scott? Yeah. I don't think I like any of his films. American mm. Gangster? Oh, okay, that, that, I'll he, give him that one. I'll give him that. You don't think, you don't think no. Alien is a classic? And The Martian, and The Martian. You listen. You know my rules. I don't. Wa- I don't watch horrors, bro. I'm not. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not I mean, watching. Scared. That's silly. I mean, it's sci-fi, but fair. Blade Runner is crazy. The House of no, 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 no. Just, just quickly, just quickly. I, you know, I actually haven't watched House of Gucci, and now that I know his record is, um, it was on my list. But now that I know he's done it. I don't want to watch it anymore. Um, but uh, what I will say with Alien, my uncle used to work at, um, <coughs> I think it, I think it is, but I think it was BFI. I'd have to ask him. But he worked at a big cinema in London in the eighties or seventies, whenever it came out. And he said when that film came out, the the roles full of sick, full of it. In it I, 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 I said, nah, impossible. Yeah. Said, impossible. The first time I saw it, I was like 11 and it was terrifying. But also, The Matrix was kind of scary when I was 11. So, yeah. Right then. Oh, I think when I was 11, that is the important context. See? Yeah, no, but can I just add, I think you also have to factor in like so many things like in terms of graphics, animations and stuff like when these films were coming out. And that's why I always think is you have to consider how dated these things are. When it was first coming out, it was like, one of the first types of films like that of its kind. So everything is going to feel a type of new that we can't understand because we've seen that millions of times over now. So I get it. I can believe that everyone was, was sick at that film because yeah, we've seen films, films like Scully said, the matrix was quite sickening. I'm yeah. Like the, the Neo with no mouth scene that used to make me feel sick. For me, when they pulled the, Carry on, now my my bit was when they pulled the alien out of his belly, yes. the, the weird centipede Ooh. bit. That's the bit that used to terrify me as a kid. Like the rest of it was yeah. like fine, actually. And when the Smiths were all changed, like changing faces, yeah, that felt like that a recurring nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So literally, it's that. Um, but we're not here to talk about things we have seen. Although we do need to do a better recommendations list. You know, we might need to start. No, I think we need to start putting people on a little bit more, but. We'll talk about it a bit later. Yeah, we need to, we need to, what we need to do, we need to forward people to our letterboxes and stuff and put mm. the recommendations That's what I think we need to do. Yeah, so. maybe start sharing them on Instagram a bit more just so, you know, because I know a few people, they haven't got too much taste in that, so we should do what we can to help them. Yeah. But outside right. of that... Yeah, so big, big, big news week this week. Let's talk about biopics. Obviously, that's one of the topics today, but let's talk about another biopic that's coming out. Two biopics, actually. One that's coming out today, in fact, um, that's due to release, Bob Marley, One Love. The reviews for that came out and they stunk. Um, and then also, let's talk about the Michael Duck. Um, uh, we got the first picture. Where do you want to start? Well, this is what I'm going to say. We got the first picture of his nephew. Is it Jafar Jackson? It is. Yeah. Um, and he was and he was in Michael's bleached form. Um, so Flex Flex Washington, if you're watching, Flex Alexander, if you're watching, that's what you wanted to do. Um, Flex, Flex is darker skinned, so let's give him. He tried, like he tried. They put what do you want him to do on his face? So do you want him to actually bleach himself? Like what do you want him to do, brother? Anyway, form, like it was an exclamation. Like yeah, yeah, it's freezer in it. Um, so let's go. Let's start with um. 
something that was that was near and dear to my heart. Uh, the Bob Marley One Love reviews. Uh, just do you want to answer for this, CJ? Do you want to answer for it? Each. Um, if you're I, was, I was disappointed. I thought, you know, I thought when I saw the original trailer, like the little teaser one, oh, you know, I'm thinking, okay. Um, I always think, what is this film going to get? And I thought maybe get like an 82 on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You were hopeful. (laughs) Why are y'all laughing? laughing? (laughs) Because because it had had flipping my man. Uh, what's his name from the OA? The guy who is playing Bob Marley is what when I saw it was him, yeah. When I saw it was Kingsley Benedict, I said, Yeah, myth, just myth. So I just saw it and I thought, you know what, maybe it would be good. Um, then I heard I because I didn't watch the first or the second trailer. Now that the reviews have come out, I've watched those trailers. If I watched those trailers, I would have battled everything I said. Um, but from what I've seen and from the reviews I've read and the review people that I do follow on Rotten Tomatoes, they have all basically said it's not nothing to do with the acting. It's to do with the script. So I just want to see, like, I, and I don't get how you can get a script wrong of someone's life. So I just want to see where the script is. But yeah, go on. Give me your guys' points. Um, what you thought of that? First of all, Kingsley Benadir has one of the best agents of all time. He has played Bob Marley. He's played Malcolm X and he's played Barack Obama. What the hell? How is he getting these roles? He doesn't look like any of these people. What the fuck is going on? Like, like what? Like, what? Is, who is his agent? Are they banging serious judge? Like, can I just list that lineup again? Malcolm X... Bob Marley, Barack Obama. <laughs> he doesn't. Mixed race, important men in our lives. Yeah. I feel like that's it. it makes sense. No, it's true. He looks like Barack Obama and he looks like Malcolm X. And you know what? <laughs> From what I've seen as well, his best performance was Gravik in Secret Invasion. And that was crap. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen much else of of like, the things that he's, he's done. But. Yeah, I think he's a he's a decent actor, but again, I don't I don't get it. His his agent definitely is a godsend for him because <laughs> these roles are falling gracefully, boy. And yeah, from the, when I first saw it, I think first time I saw it was in the cinema, like trailer. Trailer, the first trailer, it looked a bit enticing, and I feel like when you're doing those kind of wide shot zooms and of scenes you get to see like an overall picture of the setting. So looking at some of the setting shots, I was thinking, okay, this looks like something that I could get invested in. But then when I started to realise like what went into the production of the film, like the the cast, the even the soundtrack, the fact that there's like, what, one and a half Caribbean people on the, on the soundtrack, it just, it, it didn't make sense to me. And yeah, it just got to a point where I just felt like, yeah, this is another film where it's, it's been made because there's a cause in the character. Bob Marley has played a huge part in my life and I'll always love his music and what he brought to it. But yeah, it, it just felt like it would go unfulfilled. I could really see that. So I didn't expect much from this anyway. 
it's a mad interesting one because I feel like I first became familiar with him through Peaky Blinders and the OA. Justice for the OA, by the way. It was a Netflix series that was cancelled way too early. Those first two seasons were crazy. Really enjoyed them. And he's in season two of that and he's in a couple of seasons of Peaky Blinders. He's really good. So I, was, I actually had a lot of hope for him as an actor. And I still kind of do. I think he can act. But I just think he keeps landing roles that maybe don't quite suit him. Um, I need to watch One Night in Miami because he won a load of awards for it. And like, maybe he is a fantastic Malcolm X. Let's find out. Like, <laughs> uh, this Bob Marley is not making me, like, it's not moving me. <laughs> like, it's, like, when I saw that trailer, it just irked my soul. Like, I actually, I'm going to go and see it, yeah. But part of me really doesn't want to go and see it. Listen, it's going to be a, hi- a hate crime watch I'm going for me. To, just because I want to laugh at it now. That's the only reason. You I'm went from, from thinking it would be 82 rated on Rotten Tomatoes to <laughs> so now I want, just wanting Mostly, to laugh I didn't, at it. I didn't see the like, official trailers and I just got the teasers. You see my thing, when I really want to see a film, yeah, I'm cool just to know that it's coming and watch the announcement trailer and then not see anything else. Like I didn't. And the first one looks okay. Because it didn't show too much. Do you get it? That's a bad sign for a film, more time. Swiftly moving on. What do we think of the Michael Jackson um, picture? See, see I, I want to start here because I said to to Scully, I'm a Michael Jackson stan. And I'm not, I'm not actually too sure on your response in the group chat, but I felt like it was like a really kind of response when, no, I, when no. I said... I'm an MJ stan. The really mm-hmm. was to how excited you were for the film. Because we've oh, just I... been through this with CJ. <laughs> like, we've just been through this. Like, we've literally just been through this. It's been two no. days. But that's that's the thing, isn't it? Like, I looked at that and I was like, nah. Because it's like Bob Marley. They haven't... They This is like the first for me. This is the first Bob Marley thing. I've seen, you know, those like bio-doc films <laughs> where it's like half, half documentary, half... I've seen a Bob Marley thing like that. But the MJ thing, the MJ thing is special. Like, it's, it's special. It's, you get me? It's the hope that kills you. I'll be real. It's, it's the, no, but also, what gave me big faith was Coleman Domingo. Because yes. at this point, I've watched a lot of films that he's been in, and he just doesn't, he doesn't miss. So him as Joe Jackson, I feel like he's going to set up some kind of dynamic where I'll always be invested in the film. And also mm-hmm. Miles Teller as John Branca. Yeah. Like um his yeah, um MJ's manager post Joe is gonna be in the film. So I'm gonna be very interested in how they play him as a character because yeah, he's still alive obviously and yeah, it would just be it's, it'd be fascinating. Who's I mean, playing Quincy Jones again? Right. Co- to- oh no, he's not been announced. Yeah, Neil Long. Neil Long is playing his mother. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just need to see who's playing Jermaine and has the Lego hair. That's all I want to see. That's obviously not going to be in the film. Kite, can you? I'm so iffy about biopics because I feel like Hollywood to make them. They love to make them, and it's so easy to get wrong because I think the best biopics is when you have like your you're honing in on it on a on a, a period of time. So the yep. social network is my favorite biopic ever. Yeah. Just because you're just looking at one little bit and just really like just really getting that story right rather than trying to do like time jumps, time jumps, time jumps. 
And that's what a lot of, I feel like the one, um, the one love movie is going to be that. It's just going to be the beginning of his career, then the end, and then he dies. And I don't want to see that. I want to see, I don't want to just see something I can watch in a documentary. I want to see something real and like an actual like piece of art and making someone's and also representing that person. And the problem with the Michael Jackson movie, uh, well, A, I hope they can get that right. And I hope it's not just like a long, we're just watching him from the beginning to the end. That's going to be boring. Number two, I'm worried because it's the Michael Jackson estate that are going to be heavily involved in producing this film. And when that happens, we get things like Bohemian Rhapsody, where you paint some, especially the people that were in the band of Queen that aren't Freddie Mercury, they painted themselves in such a colourful light. And Freddie Mercury, he's dead. They'll just like, fuck him. And I feel like Michael Jackson has a very, like, he's not a, a golden boy. I think he's had a really iffy history. And I we think... We just leave that part out, though. We, do, we, we leave that part out. Maybe I shouldn't have said I'm an MJ stan. I'm not a stan, like, I'm like a 99% MJ stan. The other 1% I can separate the art from the artist. So it's fine, but... Can you separate the art from the artist always? I'm their dad, yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you can. But my thing is, I just anyway, we'll get we'll get on to what I think away from the part that I don't want to say what I think. But right, well, we're cutting large chunks of this. Um, <laughs> in other news, yeah, my opinion on biopics. I'm with I'm with Kate that I think it's like they're so hard to get right, man. They're so hard to get right, and it's very rare that I see one that I love, like like like. And it's, the worst thing is, yeah, I feel like they're for people who don't know much of the person's life. Because if you know anything about the person, they're just awful. Like, I put on Griselda the other day on Netflix, yeah. And, like, within the first 10 minutes, I'm seeing inaccuracies. Like, they, they're painting her out to be broke in Miami. And I was like, she was already rich. But that's how she moved to Miami. She was in Miami because she got extradited to Colombia for being too rich. And she had to use a fake passport to get to Miami. Like, she was making $80 million a month. And you got her living with her best friend like as soon as i see an inaccuracy i'm already taking points off the film do you get it like yeah i think it's just so difficult to get them right like and unless you do something like uh elvis where it's like the focus is the score and the performance or something like priscilla where it's source material that was helped been made by someone who was alive or even like rustin like common domingo did amazing with that i just think they're just a struggle like it, it takes so much love and care. I think the reason why the new edition story was so great on BET, which is one of the best I've ever seen, is because um, the members were alive. So they got to have input. Mm. I, I, the people. I think, I think... No, 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 wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Go on. Do you not think that that kind of skews the story a bit when we have people that are active stakeholders in how the story is perceived? Yeah, but the, the, the story is always going to be skewed. So I want it from one way. I want it either from the perspective of the person who the story is about, or I want it written by a hater who's going to tell the honest truth of how they perceived <laughs> it. Do you get it? I don't want no middle ground of somebody who's trying to toe the line. Either give me 80% hate, yeah, and show it for what it was, or give me the rose-tinted glasses, one or the other. Like, I think... My, my, 
my perception on bio, biopics, um, I can say my, my second favourite biopic is uh, The Social Network. My first is Ray. And yeah. I think that was done so well. Like, I've not cried to a lot of films and it, that film made me, like I had to pause the whole thing. Like, and someone sent me the scene that made me bow the other day because I told them, I said, bro, I can't watch, I can't watch that. Um, but like, just I agree with what Scully said. Like, it's a good reference point if you don't know anything about the person's life or you just want to know like how things are created. So, like in the Bohemian Rhapsody, I don't believe that another one by us was created like that. However, <laughs> it's, 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 if it was, it's insane. Do you get it? Yeah. Like, and I just feel like biopics can biopics the biopics are recent and i feel like there's a lot of recency bias because we've got um things like the bob marley one now we've got the amy one coming we've got other ones that we've had in the in the, oh, the amy one. Oh my the, god in, uh, Whoa. Yeah. that looks like a crime watch reimagining oh, no, no, no. but but, but <laughs> like and napoleon and stuff like that those biopics are bad but you gotta remember the good ones man like rocket man is amazing like, what I will say is, what I will say is, as much yeah. as I got into Will Smith for being uh, almost a, as much, I think he's hilarious. I think he's really funny. I think he's an underrated rapper, but I also think he is a limited, uh, he's a limited actor. He does have three amazing biopics to his name. Yeah. He Ali. has King Richard, Ali, and Ray. He's in that. No, he's not in Ray. What am oh, I talking about? He's in, he's in a, um, he's, he, concussion. That is not amazing for the accent. But the story is good though. <laughs> it's funny. I was when oh. it, I was like, no, but like, so like a biopic for me, cause uh, like, yeah, they're my favorite type of genre in film. Um, and I've, I've yeah. been saying that Kite looks like stunned. Like what? And, but <laughs> look disgusted. Listen, I, can no, name but... some, I can name some biopics. Yeah. Crazy films. No, I mean, just like Oppenheimer just came out. There's amazing biopics, but... Oh, yeah, and, and even crazy. Oppenheimer. Oh, my God, how do I think of how to forget about that? Yeah. You don't want to find this thing where you're just watching... You'd rather just watch a well-made documentary. That's Listen, my problem. It's lazy. It's yeah. so easy to Can I, I want to throw a film out there. I'm not sure if everyone's seen it, but have you guys seen The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Rob, Robert Ford? No. I think no. I have ages ago. Top-tier film top tip it's not like directly a biopic but as i feel like you were describing this scully like you like a biopic that's either written by a hater or i have seen this film by the way but yeah go on listen i don't think this is written by a hater i feel like this is written by a man that acknowledged the hate Mm -hmm. but looked at it and was like you know what this guy's a punk because at least jesse james (laughs) stood on business and so he wrote the novel about the time obviously like a revisionist western film mm-hmm. but that is a top tier film like brad pitt at his best casey affleck as well just going crazy and mm-hmm. yeah i for a time that was like literally one of my favorite films and then also public public enemies um featuring um he's cancelled now i forgot wow. his name from from my mind wow That's... amber Heard, johnny depp Public enemies. I'm so sorry, but Daz Dillinger, it's like yeah, a yeah, biopic yeah. on that was really good, and I feel like when he was respected, that was like a, a good film for him. Christian Bell was also in that as well. So he yeah, was indeed great. great the film. is also a really good biopic. You just remember, I just remembered. There's oh, sorry, 
the writer. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Well, well, that kind of leads up, us on to the I think speaking about all these biopics, yeah. should we talk about our, our main topic today? Let's do it. Let's do okay. it. Let me let me hit the noise. That sounds frightening. I, I so that know. is your that is your spoiler warning, people. If you haven't watched the Iron Claw, get out of here. Like, but come back, <laughs> come back. Um, yeah, I went to watch it with Jude. Unfortunately, um, we've all watched it here. Uh, I'm gonna let Kite start. Um, what did you think of the film? Did you know about the Von Eric family? Do you know much about wrestling? Um, this is to all of you as well, by the way. Um, yeah, like, what did you think of it? Initial thoughts? I really enjoyed it. I don't know if my mic is. Can you hear me properly? Yeah, I can hear you. It feels like the lines aren't going up and down. Yeah, no, don't worry about that. That happens for me sometimes and it's fine. Okay, all right. Yeah, I really enjoyed Dying Claw. It was well acted. The cast was by far the strongest part of the film for me. Shout out to Harris Dickinson. Like, he is just really... My boy. I told you yeah. about my boy. I never doubted him. Like, you know what? He's... He's someone that's really picking his projects so well. That's and just he, like, put him in the same bar as Paul Mescal where they're just picking their projects so well and just just not really missing in that in that front. He, he might be well, he um, might be better. Well, mm-hmm. he might be better. He just don't that's have the PR, a, you get it? Like, he's up there. He is up there. He, he just ain't got the PR as a man who runs away from women on Saturday mornings. Yeah? Oh, listen... Leave poor my school name, right? I was just but saying. I, I think that I think it was such a beautiful, like the cinematography was so clever. I've never really seen a film shot the way the way it uses darkness and shadows, yeah. and I was really, really just mesmerized with, by the way like this movie was shot. And Zach Efron was great, and yeah, everyone was great. The guy that I've got the guy that pays the dad, Fritz. Ooh, oh, that one. Is he the guy from Avatar? Avatar. Yes, he is. Yes, I was like, this guy can play a villain so well. Damn. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. He is fantastic, man. Go on, Scully. So what did you think? I thought it was great. I think there's so many things I love about that film. Um, Actually, tell me, Holt is not from avatar allegedly i thought it was i thought it was the same guy but it is allegedly not i literally thought it was i was so certain when i watched I, it, I was I, I, was. yeah i was gonna say i don't think it is i didn't think it was cj um, would know yeah no it's not no, now i'm looking at him it's not you know what's crazy Holt uh home mccallie is in concussion link, but um the oh, iron claw sorry I love that film, man. Like, I love that film. I'm a, I'm a long-time wrestling fan anyway, but, like, my wrestling relationship is, like, based on stuff that I watched when I was a kid. And as a child, so in Uganda, my cousins... In Uganda, they play, um, you know, like, the best of... You see how you have Premier League years here, Sky Sports? On the sports channels in Uganda, they have, like, 
basically wrestling years. So they played the best of wrestling from like 1980s to like 2007. So it's like a lot of past wrestling matches. So you okay. get to know about a lot of 80s and 90s wrestlers. So there's characters. So for example, um, Jeremy Allen White as a Texas Tornado. Like I recognize him from the things I'm watching with my cousins as a kid. And like there's stories I like remember, even though I didn't get the significance. So like when they've got um, Ric Flair giving that speech to Kevin, like I started quoting the speech. I was like, bro, I remember this. Like this is sick. Like, like the attention to detail pays to the wrestling world. And I know there's so much embellishment on it. And there's parts they've taken out for different reasons. So for for example, I don't know if any of you guys know, but there's another Von, uh, Von Eric brother, Chris. They didn't have him in the film, which I kind of get because the film is like, what, two hours and a quarter already? I think you probably have to add at least another 20, 30 to add yet another sad tragedy to the film of a brother who kills themselves. But it works how it is. Every actor does I, I amazingly. Think, did they not? Who was the little boy? Was that? That's that Jack. That's Jack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like their first one. That drowned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the way they everyone portrays it, everyone acts, and I thought there was a really acute telling of like masculinity and brotherhood, and how that shapes us as men, like young men into older adult men. And Kevin kind of escaping that hold that both masculinity and brotherhood have on him as much as he wanted to be with his brothers, but who he becomes and understanding that he has to be someone else for his family and how their father's pressure, as much as I don't want to just all completely blame their father, but their father's pressure clearly broke them down in many ways. And it made me think like about, men's mental health and loneliness and all of these things like it portrayed it in such a way that is unique because a lot of the times when we watch it in film or in documentaries or we have conversations about it it's it's always like carefree joy you know like like let's all put flowers on our hair and run around but like the poignant scene at the end where his his kids are like oh don't worry dad we'll be your brothers now like i was like raw this shit means something to me man like like this means something to me 100 percent and yeah, like, oh, what, can I go? Yeah, 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 go on. Yeah, no, literally, I I love this film. As you guys know, I'm, if I can say, I think I'm the most invested wrestling fan here right now. And I'm not even I someone that watches so. it. Mm, you'd be surprised because I'm, I've been saying for like probably the last 10 years, I am someone that's invested in wrestling culture. I don't watch it week by week now, but like, um, yeah, I'm very much in the know-how. I like learning of the intricacies of wrestling. So when this was announced, I was I was buzzing. I was literally, I was ecstatic. And I think even when it was announced, that that was a time when we saw Zac Efron going through the transformation physically from, um, I forgot what it was. Was it a crash or something like that? But you know how his... Neighbours, bro? Like... I don't, I haven't seen that film, but we've started to see the transformations it was announced and then I started to kind of see the mode of a wrestler. So all of the scenes, the shots that came out beforehand, I knew were in for something. As for the actual Von Erich family, it's funny because one of the last like Hall of Fame shows of wrestling that I watched properly was in 2009 when Kevin Von Erich was submitted to the Hall of Fame. And I didn't, I didn't know of them then. 
and they it kind of built up like the aura and the understanding of the Von Erich family and what they brought to the business. And I think around those times is what triggered me to really be invested in wrestling again from a different perspective. So the actual film, when it started, like even from the first second, I was like, this is an experience. Like you get to see all of that, like that, which like Scully was explaining, like the, like the masculinity elements starting mm. right from the, the start when he's in the ring, like the black and white scene, the whole kind of transition of that fight, you get to see how physically real it is, how impressionable the art yeah. form is. And also how he's talking to his wife and he basically explains like going up in this world is our promotion. This is how we get better. This is how we dominate the space. And this is how I could help the family get out of this situation and trump the tragedy that we've had before. So from the offset, I was looking at it like, this is a film that, of course, it has an emotional and a real story, but it's also showing you the extent and the extensiveness of wrestling as a business. And people always say or try to describe like describe wrestling kind of as like, a, it's like a theatre or play performance for grown men. That's what people kind of describe it as. But I literally saw it as that element of masculinity, the elements of strength, of injecting belief, the popularity, all of the different film the themes that collide and make this thing it. It really captured like such an era. And of course, like the the story itself was so madly tragic, but I feel like I was so captivated by the whole aura and performance of everything. And yeah, Kite as well, I think you're so right. Like the chemistry of the brothers really made this film. And like every every scene for me just felt like it was build, building up an aura of a family that, yeah, I didn't have any idea about. And knowing how like wrestling exists right now, I do think somehow they're going to leverage off this and it's going to invite more and more people to understand the world of wrestling so many different generations like so yeah i think it's a really fascinating biopic it's something that i've even watched twice at this point and yeah like i could go on about this film every day but i really thought the culture of wrestling it upheld so well and lastly that scene when um kevin is fighting harley race and harley race gets him on the outside and like superlexes him onto the concrete floor I felt like that is probably one of the most powerful scenes in there as well, aside from like the emotive and the trauma filled scenes, but that showed like how the bumps are real. The physicality is real. And there's also like ulterior motives within the wrestlers because he really wanted to stain him. He wanted to hurt him and kind of take him out of the, the ring and all of these little things. This is kind of the business and not to say that exists like that now, but Again, like it's it's all a business, as you guys have probably seen now. Like the Rock, yeah. Roman Reigns, his whole kind of family, the Samoan dynasty are taking over, and all of this. Like it's really, really interesting. But yeah, I thought it's going to be something powerful that the WWE are probably going to end up utilizing because they've got a monopoly on this space to get there. Yeah. You know? Um. I 
was taken aback um, when I watched it. Uh, I didn't know anything about the Von Erich family. I can't lie. I like I ha- originally when I watched the trailer, I was like, oh, this must be like, oh, like it was. Zach was looking more like kind of like Ultimate Warrior ish. And I was like, oh, this is going to be like the story of like Ultimate Warrior. And then obviously I quickly, um, quickly Googled and found out obviously this was a family, but didn't know the backstory of the family. So I didn't know anything that was going to happen. So when it was all happening in front of me, I thought this has got to be like embellished a bit. Like it is mad. And then obviously when I came out of the cinema and saw what I saw with obviously everyone uh, dying, how they, they died. Um, I think it was just mad even from like the way they did things with wrestling. The only thing I didn't like was the Ric Flair part, but then like he kind of like picked it up in the end. Um, Cause I thought that was a bad version of Ric Flair, but then yeah, it kind of worked. Um, he didn't look too much like him. I'll give you that. Yeah, he didn't look too much. And then the, oh, yeah, the way he was doing his promo, it was just a bit shit. But like, apart from that, everything else in the film, I thought was near perfect. Like Pam, Pam's relationship with the mother, perfect the mother's performance perfect like the mom was like the mom the mom was abused not even physically but emotionally like because see i didn't she, even see it as that at, at, and, at the end for me at the end for me it's like you, okay so you know when like um you know when you see like these stories of like i don't know like what's love got to do with it and you see like tina you see tina turner getting beat up by ike and whatever and then like she finally snaps hits back and then like comes to that realization of oh i need to leave for me it was like when at the end she was like oh i didn't cook dinner tonight and he's like wow why not and then she's like oh i didn't want to and she started painting that was her realization of yeah i'm i'm gone in it like i'm gone and then obviously i think she divorced him like not even a year later based on what the the thing was based on where the timeline was. Um, that's how, that's how I looked at it because it was, it was very, she was like very silent, didn't say anything. Like she had that one part with Pam where she was like, I, I'm going to be wearing the same thing. And she was like, trust me, no one's going to notice and stuff. Um, I saw that as breaking point, but I interpreted it quite differently because yeah. there's moments in the film where Kevin is trying to talk to her and she's not having it. Mm. Like she's refusing to talk to her, to him. And I see it as her enabling the father because it works. Like the dad has got them to, from where they're living in the trailer to they have a big ranch. They got a big house. Like they are famous. They're, they're a very famous family. They're very successful. And I think until she started losing all of her sons, she was like almost willing to accept this is the life they chose right like you make a, you make your life you, you become a man and you like you take life by the horns almost and it's only once she had lost all of her sons but kevin that she was like actually this isn't right like we should have done it. maybe if i'd listened to him earlier then we wouldn't be in this position because kevin was very cognizant and very aware like the entire time like he he was constantly trying to call everyone out and be like yo let's stop this and the mum could have stepped in, but she just refused. Like she constantly just like let stuff run. But also, than, sorry, to, actually, could take go on. Sorry. No, I think it's even more than her enabling him. She was an active, like, perpetrator of like toxic ma- masculinity in that house. When the the youngest brother wanted to play music, she flat out said no. Yeah, a real thing. So I don't know if I see it as much as abusive relationship. I know that she was very religious and they kind of made that 
made that like, okay, we'll pray. I'll just pray for you. God be like that. I think she was just a product of her environment, but also, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I see it as abuse. Not gonna lie. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think even to home in more on that religious element, because you also got to think like, um, yeah, like over 60% of America are Christians and in the business, and especially those signs with the Von Eric family, Christian family, God-fearing, they even like slipped in a few um, scenes of them like going to church and stuff like that. But yeah, they literally utilise their faith and within their community to connect with a lot of more people. So during that era of wrestling, it was like they used, not really used, but they went to different parts of the country and put on shows for loads of like religious filled crowds and winning matches after it, like thanking God, attributing everything to like their faith and all of this, like in promos, it builds up a consciousness of the family and even like a a reverence. But I think in the mother's case, and even with, with the father, they both kind of learned each other like and encouraged and enabled their bad traits. There was, they were never really opposing each other, except when it came to maintaining that order and not breaking out of it. And yeah, I feel like that religious imposition even led the mother to be like, oh, when um Kevin, like right at the start, is trying to talk to the dad, like, yeah, uh, Mikey, he's not like that. He shouldn't be doing this. He's being forced. He said that from like the first what one two scenes and the mum was like you've got your brothers to talk about that and that was one of the most poignant things for me because it was like you knew by the end of the film he wouldn't have those brothers to talk to so all of it was forced on them to deal with this while still being asked to be children and also even another thing it's like the the dominance if anything the abuse in the relationship was on the the children because the dad used to even hold back their purses so they might get paid like a thousand five hundred for the show, and because he was their booking manager, his fee would be like seventy percent, and he always wanted to underpay them to keep them there. You know what I mean? Because if they left and went to somewhere else, like a I don't know AWA or NWA in the yeah, places yeah, yeah. like Ric Flair, Harley Race, and all of this were, were then they would have been actually being paid and treated like adults. Maybe but I need yeah. to. Maybe I need to watch it again because that's the way I I just saw it as like the dad as the big bad. I, I just saw it as the mom was like, in the same way you like said like, yeah, that she's seen that went from like a trailer to a, a big ranch. Like, but I didn't see it as like a neighbor and I saw it as more like she just didn't want to, like that, that's what, that is what had worked. So she didn't want to say anything. So that's why I, that's why I thought, that's why I took it like that. Um, mm. So maybe I need to wa- maybe I need to watch it again. But what I do want to say as well, what do you want to say? The best uh, back to what Kite was saying about the way it was shot. The best shot of the whole film is the part that's in the trailer, the first part. You know when he's going off the ropes. Oh my days! Listen, I turned to Jude. I said that is fucking insane. I said I needed like six moments like that in the film. In insane, in insane. Oh, what a shot! You see the press com- conference scene. 
that broke me. So many scenes like yeah, Jude was like, "Oh fucking hell!" In the foot, like yeah. literally, like he was like, "Oh fuck. no!" But that was that was mad because you could really see the incompetence. Because as soon as they said uh, the, re- the reason why I said that CJ, it was when it was when like the dad is like looming in the background, and yeah. um, Kevin's like, "Oh, but you'll see, Mike is strong. He'll be back." And I'm just there thinking, bro, what are you not getting? And with your two previous brothers. And what I do actually respect Kevin for, like the real Kevin, is he allowed the fact that his own incompetence led to like two situations where his brother died. Like even though it's like a bit of a gray area as to why David actually died, the fact that he was in two positions or maybe even three where he could have prevented one of his younger brother's deaths. Like he could have told David like, no, don't go to Japan. You have to go to the doctors. He could have stopped Kerry from drink driving the bike. He could have kind of forcibly ensured that Mike doesn't have any intentions to get back into the ring or didn't make it there in the first place. He tried with Mike, but the other two situational kind of things. Kerry actually, Kerry actually being an amputee and getting in the ring is insane, by the way. Like he's he won the Intercontinental Championship. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Like, no. So basically, Kevin was not there for a lot of stuff. Um, it just didn't happen. And I hope when he watches this film, it does, doesn't feel extra dark for him. Like a lot of wrestlers had said like, they with Kerry and Chris, I think it was, who Chris obviously isn't in the film, they had spoken to other wrestlers and been like, I'm going to go and join my brothers. Like, I need to go and walk with my brothers. I'm going to be watching like it was quite dark. It was almost like they they all felt a lot of the same feeling, which is that they had to go and be with their other family members when one had passed. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, some wrestlers you would have known would have told these guys to walk off the ledge and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But due to other factors. So I think for, I think for Kerry it was a divorce. I think for Chris, there was something similar. Like he lost custody oh. of kids or something and that pushed them to a next, a next place where they decided to self-transition. So it's mad sad, man. It's very sad. Yeah. And also, shout out Lily James as Pam. That restaurant scene also really touched me because I feel like they leave so many trauma scenes and there's no... I don't know. There's not that much human interaction. That hug was so important and so powerful. It felt like you could see, like, well, Zach as Kevin like the little bits of him just breaking open. And yeah, man, such a beautiful film. I definitely feel like everyone should see it. Yeah. Yeah. I think even if you're not a fan of wrestling, there's enough in it there for you to love it. Yeah. And I think Zac Efron's performance was amazing. There was a scene, the scene where he's trying to do a promo and he keeps fumbling. That scene just like particularly stood out for me. Just, him and both him and Harris Dickinson were amazing in that scene, and just even the ending, like he's just he conveyed a lot. He did a lot, a lot of physicality as well, a lot of physicality. The the wrestling scenes were amazing. I'm sure they just actually got trained as wrestlers for that film. And, and also, they're so hench. That maybe go gym for like four days in a row. He's more hench than the actual guy. He didn't need to get that hench. <laughs> yeah, but Zach Efron yeah, he, loves getting hench. 
that, that's actually it, a thing, isn't it? Like, he actually loves yeah, being yeah, he, he, he No, he just loves taking steroids. But anyway. Chill out, uh, man. He's up on my boy. Don't do that again. Don't do that again. It's all natural. It's all natural. <laughs> he was in a crash. He was in a crash. It's actually, natty, we, dis- we actually discussed this. He was in a crash. So... Big man, his jaw. He was in a crash. He had reconstructive surgery. We actually talked about that before we started talking about the film. What do you want him to do? Drop a remix of Through the Wire. Like, bro, his jaw was messed up. He got it fixed and he's got that. Just deal with it. He's on. Still a fantastic actor. I thought he was. I actually thought before Iron Claw was announced, I thought he was um getting ready to play He Man because of the haircut. Like genuinely, genuinely, Uh, because he's got bare hench. I was like, oh shit! So they're gonna make a sick He Man film, and Zac Efron's gonna. Know what? As well, what I will say, what I will say though, I am really shocked that it's not for any awards. Award season. That that after coming out of the film, I was like, that's not nominated for anything. Yeah. yeah. So what happened was A24 are not a big studio. They can only pick a couple of films to to um, basically campaign for. Okay. And also it came out really late. So the voters didn't see it. It was a late December film. Fair. Fair. Yeah. We'll but them. if it wasn't being campaigned, I think we would have seen a Harris Dickinson supporting actor nom or at least a strong campaign for a nom. And we would have seen a Zac Efron Best Actor as well. Yeah. Big up Harris Dickinson. His parents should have given him the middle name Tom. So he could have been any Tom Harris Dickinson. Uh, but I think we've waxed a little cool enough about this film. Anyway, guys. What what are we going to watch over the next week? I'm going to watch Bob Marley One Love. Yeah, I'm gonna watch Bob Marley Migration as well because it looks like cheeky fun, and that's it. Well, you gonna watch Argyle? No, see now got Argyle. You gonna watch Argyle? I don't know. Apparently, it's not even like bad. That so bad. It's good. Film no Argyle or Argyle. I thought you said Argyle, like the Argyle. Oh, Argyle. Okay. The Birmingham slipping out. You you thought you were. I'm actually a celebrity. Get me out of here. What are you actually going to watch, Scully, this week? Um, American Fiction. Yeah, oh, yes, I'm going to watch that yeah, as well. I still haven't seen when that. It, yeah. When are you watching? Um, when are you watching? What are you watching, Jude? This week? Oh, next week I'm watching Dune too. Oh yes, huh? Dune oh, yes. two. Oh yeah, forgot about that. You got a screening? Oh shit! Yes. Well, our he's got a pod. A friend of our pod, Amber, did extend a multimedia screening and actually owe Scully like two or three screenings. So, yes, me and him shall be going. Oh, so just you and Scully? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so CJ's not invited? Well, I right. told you, I, I don't like right. seeing your face more oh, than right, two right, times right, a month. Right, right, right. You That's your two times a month quote. Uh, I don't understand. Listen, listen, I just want you to know, yeah, everyone and now, everyone now, well, barring Kitty and um, Ross snaked us when we went to Barbenheimer and he watched Oppenheimer before, and now you man have snaked me with this. No, you he didn't hold Ross accountable for that, he just extended his anger and pain and frustration onto us as if we're the ones yeah, that watch like, And I wonder why, you know, because he's anyway, I can't say that word on the pod. What I will say is, if I get a Planet of the Apes screening. 
you would be the first person I invite because I know how much. And why is that? And why is that? Because you love that. Because in episode one, you said that's your favorite series of films. Okay. Just checking. Just checking. Just checking. Yeah. Don't don't try and get me the racism. Any ulterior motives from you? Well, on that note, thanks for thanks for talking, guys. Uh, it's it's been a nice one. I might go watch Iron Claw again. Actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was cold. Sports Social Podcast Network.